Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Aussie Tech Heads is brought to you by startnewcompany.com.au. Register your company fast, easy, and direct with ASIC. All documentation is provided and held in your account for downloading at any time. Special discount for ATH listeners. At the cart, use ATH20 for a $20 discount. And ATHwebhosting.com.au. Servers operate on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and easy install of WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. Welcome to episode 729 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley, and this is Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Evening. I have to pay attention. We don't have the counter- <laughs> countdown anymore. I should put that. I'm like, am I spoke with? Oh, that's right. We've still got one more to go. I should put that back on me. <laughs> How's things for you up there? Happy birthday to you. Oh, yeah, that's some bad rumor started by somebody who wasn't me. 21 again? Something like that. Again, again. Again, again. <laughs> what is it? 21 plus 19? Yeah. Don't dumb us me to do maths at this time of night. <laughs> yeah. No, doing all right. You know, had, right, we're having like cold weather, then like polar winds coming from down south, and then we have uh, freezing rain, and then we have... It's like, oh, man, seriously, ding. just... Yeah, it's a good that. idea. I just heard your little light bulb oh, go off above your head like in the cartoon. <laughs> I should have it on silent, it's my bad, but it's everybody going, hey, it's your birthday. I'm like, yes, I know, it's been my birthday all day. Thanks for telling me. It was so. this time last year and this time the year before. Yeah, it's funny. That tends to happen <laughs> semi-regularly. Oh, yeah. man. Well, we've been having fun on the Metaverse Minecraft server. Yep. We yeah, had uh, GUI was actually interested in the NFTs, so I've been spending time trying to get that sorted out. And I created them at lunchtime today, but they still don't exist yet. So I sent him a support request saying, "Is this just like take more than nine hours normally, or what? Because it's only making like five of them just to test." Yeah. But first, I had to wait like because I didn't have a lot of Ethereum. I just had some remnants from back when I used to support that coin. And it was enough for the gas to convert engine into J engine that you put in the NFTs. And if you if you don't pay a big fee, then it takes a very very long time. So it was nearly the, all overnight to do that conversion. And then I created the NFT, and it says waiting for approval or something. I don't know. So fair enough. But he said, yes, he would really like NFT, so we've got at least one interested. Anybody else, don't forget to write in because we'll have a few of them, but they're going to be limited. So they'll be rare, which is spelt on eBay, R, capital R, then the letter at sign. Yeah. 
and then RE and then about 40 exclamation marks afterwards. <laughs> and a couple of, a couple of asterisks and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and obliques as well. He was cool. <laughs> he fell into the cauldron when he was a baby. Is that what happened? Get a fix, won't let him have any more. He's very disappointed. Oh, that's right. He doesn't have the get strong stuff, does he? The serum stuff, yeah. Because he's permanently strong. That's right. He all, he tries dressing up as different people, wearing other things, and get a fix. Always knows it's him somehow. I, I don't mean. know how. I mean, <laughs> he blends in perfectly. <laughs> it's not like he's just. Uh, like, I bought a um, ring doorbell. Yeah, you, ring. you bought one. That's about as far as that was. That's gone. Yeah, I bought it from <laughs> JB Hi-Fi, and on, it says on Monday it was. Uh, Given to Australia Post at 3 a.m. And that's the last update in the tracking. But I hear Australia Post been having some problems today as well. Uh, just <coughs> post careers, just like freight in general. I ordered yep. Overnight Express, which normally, worst case scenario, is three days. So I ordered that last Monday, and I still haven't even heard shipping confirmation yet on that. Yeah, I was surprised today that... Uh, Got a package delivered from Low Carb Emporium, and they've got some snacks, cheesy snacks, and salt vinegar snacks, and a breakfast cereal that I want to try out because it's got two grams of carbs in every packet of breakfast cereal. So that'd be good if that works out. <clears throat> but it'd be cool having the ring doorbell. It means one, when the couriers arrive with packages that I buy off the internet, and then they quickly, silently ninja sneak up onto the front porch place it very quietly and carefully and then run back to the car and drive off before i even know it's there even though i'm sitting in the next room even though i have a doorbell even though they can go hey we're here none of that i just no. look out the door every few hours it's like oh the package finally arrived and then an hour later get an email hi your package was delivered <laughs> at least you at least your your guy drops it off our guy just parks out the front honks the horn and then drives off does he? Jeez. So, and then we've is got he to go looking to the, for a job at FedEx. Is he? <laughs> then we've got to go to the post. No, it's Australia Post. Yeah. And then we've got to go to got to go to the post office to pick it up. I was like, seriously, uh, dude. What's the point? Mm-hmm. So just leave it at the post office in the first place. Yeah, just send me a thing <laughs> saying it's at the post office. Because yeah. the problem is, if he's got it and I can't go to the post office to pick it up, I need to wait till tomorrow. Yeah. So I can't even get the package the same day that he should have delivered it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the ring doorbell will detect motion at the front door and go yeah. ding on the phone and say, hey, something's happening out the front. And you go, oh, okay, it looks like my package arrived. I'll grab it before any kids walk. Well, I've got bushes in front of the uh, porch so people wouldn't be able to see it most of the time. But uh, you never know. Also, if you're out and something gets delivered, you don't know. Because I go, I go to the garage, which is a doorway to the garage built on the side of the house and hop in the car and drive out. I don't go to the front porch. Yeah, that's right. We hardly ever use that. The front, the only, only visitors use the front door. We always just drive in through, into the garage. We're the same. The we, we always go at the back because the, the driveway goes down the side of the house and you sort of park at the back. Yeah. So we yeah. always go at the back and, and like, more at the front maybe once or twice a week and you walk out there and three passes, you're like, yeah, <laughs> when did that get there? How long have they been there? <laughs> <laughs> so. but it should be pretty cool adds a bit of security to the place too being, and also 
um, because my daughter has anxiety and doesn't like answering the doorbell to people she doesn't know, particularly if I've gone out or something, she can just come up on her phone and she doesn't have to, she can just talk through it. She doesn't even have to have her face appear because there's no cap, there's no video at that end, but she can see who's there. And if they're delivering a package, she can just say, okay, yeah, that's fine. Just leave it there. And then when she finishes her current game or something, she can pop out there and grab it or even just say, no, we're not interested in learning about Jeebus today. Thank you very much. Stuff like that. So, What, not even with a handwritten note? A handwritten note? I couldn't believe that. Dad <laughs> said he got one of those a few months ago too. I'm like, man, they're going to a lot of trouble there. <laughs> they have their stuff shoved in the garbage bin anyway. May I think maybe it's going for like a guilt trip. Do you see how much yeah, time, and, time effort and effort and love I put into writing this with my own hand you with know a how many pen? trees I've had to kill to make these pamphlets? <laughs> I did I did two sides of the piece of paper. Surely you're going to read about the end of the world by now. It's just around the corner. I think it happened at the start of last year, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're living in the alternate reality. It's like Earth uh, 2 and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that just suddenly got replaced and everything else seemed to carry so, on, but only one person knew it was different. Yeah, it's not far from that, too. <laughs> 2,000 years after somebody got nailed to a tree for saying how nice it would be, how good it would be to be nice to people for a change. Yeah, not far wrong either. He's good at summarising that stuff. (laughs) A genius who went too early in his time. Yes. But uh, it's interesting, actually, if you uh, uh, read or listen to some of um, uh, Stephen Fry's books yep. you know um they're really weird titles like i was a moab or something um yep. <laughs> but yeah he talks a lot about him throughout the the series and stuff oh okay you pick up quite, Aud- yeah audio audible books or something I, oh well i use them on audible but yeah he, he does actual hard copies as well wow, but right. um i think i like audible in that regard because he's reading his own biography so he put, he's got a good voice for that well he's got a good voice. i mean he did hitch- hitchhikers and stuff but yeah. and some of harry potter but he puts the emph- because it's his book. He puts the emphasis in exactly the right spot just to make that g- gag just that little bit funnier than it would be if you were reading it yourself. You know, he puts the <laughs> emphasis on the correct syllable. Generally, oh, he actually yeah. does that gag as well. Does he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I only learned about that one from you. Yeah, no, that's where I got it from. I got it out yeah. of that book. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he does that, but uh, yes, I think I'll get back into that. I got- and I released my uh, VZ200 game, Ghosts and Goblins clone that I did. You did. It's a flip screen game for the VZ200, VZ300, also known as Laser 200, Celtron 200, Salora Fellow in Finland, which is an interesting name. And in the UK, Texet TX8000. Yeah, you. Uh, that's actually pretty cool. It's got all the levels from the Commodore 64 game. They only had four because they wanted it to load in one go. But, yeah. Um, but it's, I, I quite like it. It's done quite well. It's very reminiscent of the... Uh, of, yeah, even if you play the arcade game, which is probably the most advanced version of all of them, but even if you play that, you still get it. Like, you still... Yeah. You know, you can still figure out what's going on because it's got all the elements it's got all the elements and it's packaged in such a way that it's recognizable you know 
And I was surprised mm. that screen that oh, I like this Arama guy who flies in this triangle formation. He originally didn't do that when I programmed it. He would go across and down, across, up, across, down. I thought, no, she did do the triangle like it is in the, does in the actual game. Yeah. But at, when any time one of them comes on the screen, it does his screech. Yeah. Like a bird screeching. So I wanted to get that in there so it sounded like the real thing. But I was surprised. I played it on my real VZ300 and I thought it'd be a lot more laggy, especially that previous screen where there's the two um, shooting birds, uh, uh, plants up the top shooting. There's zombies walking around and you're walking around and it, it only slows down a tiny bit, but it still seems to keep up. And This was done with the um, multi-platform arcade game designer that I helped port to the VZ as well. So... I've got ideas coming out my head for lots like more your, games that I want to make. This is like your fourth or fifth game, isn't it? Fourth game? Uh, out of 8-bit stuff, yeah. It's yeah. the third game I did for the VZ so far. Yep. First one was the Arkanoid clone. Then I did that Pipes one that was kind of like Mario. Yep. And now this one. And uh, got mentioned by um, Indie Retro Magazine online. Yeah. You know you made it when you made it to a magazine. And the guy who runs, uh, I think it's called Killerboat Magazine, something like that, wants to do an interview with me now as well. So we can look forward to that. Nice. I'll get a bit more plug for multiplayer, uh, multi-platform arcade game designer because it's a really good thing. And throw John some money if you do download it. I think you can get it free, but I, th- I think I threw him like 20 bucks US or something just because it's worthwhile to support the people who are doing all this trouble. Well, that's it. And I mean, ultimately, you know, you you're not making any money from the games or anything. Like, it's all... Um, yeah, you could just download yeah. it from itch.io. few people have sent me donations, even for the VZ one, so I really appreciated that. So you can go to jonathan-coldwell.itch.io and um, you can find the... Yep, it does uh, games for MSX, Spectrum, uh, uh, Dragon Spectrum, 32, Amstrad CPC, BBC Model B, Dragon 3264, Acorn Atom, Enterprise, and VZ200 with more on the way. Yep. They're so. always looking for people. I want someone to help do Commodore 64, and I just don't have that enough intimate knowledge about Commodore 64 to be able to do one, but they've asked, and I've asked people, and you can see that one there with the red, green, and blue screens like the VZ. Yeah. It's the Dragon 32 or the Atom. Uh, they've got the same graphics chip as the VZ, but theirs had the extra higher res modes available, which the VZ was gimped out of. Yeah. And people have done updates where you add on extra RAM chips and then um, bridge out the tracks that they'd removed, and you get the extra graphics modes, which is great. But for, to make the VZ so cheap and accessible, they cut it all down to one low-res mode with the text and one high-res mode, which wasn't very high, but it also didn't require a lot of RAM chips. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, like, the I, I've never understood... I mean, I kind of understand why they do it on the one hand, but I don't really understand it. Like, you have a processor or a chip that can do X amount. Yep. Let it do its thing and then give yep. the people the option of, well, it needs... Okay, we're shipping this system with... You know, pull random numbers out we're shipping this system with 64k of ram but to use the potential full potential you need to install an extra 64 because it needs 128 well let the person do that yeah. you give them the 64 and then you give them the options like buying a car here's the base model car it has all these other things you can do with it it's up to you if you want to do it 
you no, want the sports version, go for it. Don't gimp the system just because you, you feel it's a cheaper option. You know, they still do it today. Like there's still stuff released today that's that's broken because they wanted to save a couple of dollars by not enabling everything that that can do. But they've actually made the system far worse than if they had have just. You know, yeah, not... they just make the full high-end version yeah. and then gimp bits out of it so you can buy cheaper of the same thing. Yeah, you know, and that just breaks things. CPUs used yeah. to do that, didn't they? Well, I still do. To We've a, always to, talked about to, that. Yeah, to a point. They they, uh, they benchmark about their full capability and then they just continually reduce the clock speed until they work and they sell them at a lower-priced CPU. Yep. CPUs, GPUs, most processors to some degree, they do that. Um, and in other ones, they, you know, it's like they used to do in the old day when they had uh, the Celerons. You know, you had the Pentiums and you had the Celerons. The only difference between the Pentium and the Celerons was the Celerons had less level 2 cache. Oh, yeah. They only had 128k instead of 512, or I think it was, or 1 meg instead of 2, whatever the level 2 was. Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head. But the ironic part about that is that the Celerons were clock unlocked and the P2s weren't. So you could buy a cheaper chip that had slightly less level two cache, which had effectively zero effect on the speed of the chip, um, and you could overclock it faster mm. than the more expensive chip you could have paid that had more cache but didn't really. Because the, the caching on the chip was kind of irrelevant. It, 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 I mean, it, it did marginally help. help, but when you overclock the CPU twice as fast as it originally was, that's far more <laughs> effective than adding some more cache. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder about SSD drives too. They make them at a large size and then um, barrier off half of it and then sell it other half. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, they used to do the same with spinning discs back in the day. They'd make... And I know that's part of the reason the Bigfoot's weren't okay they weren't a super common drive but part of the, the reason they went to the bigfoot drive was bigger technology allowed less failure so they could make a two gig drive at two gig and make more of them at two gig which is why they ended up being a cheaper drive because they had less failure rates whereas a lot of the i know mac store had a huge issue there at one point when they had 650 meg drives almost every 650 meg drive they made failed within three months Oh, like I think I remember something about that. They were yeah. just so bad. And like when they cottoned onto this, they dropped them down to 500 meg and they never had a problem with them. Yeah. yeah. But they were pushing them too hard, too fast at that early at that early stage. And that's when they bought out, no, well, that's when some of the ideas come out, like the Bigfoot drive, for example, where they go, well, let's just make it bigger. It's yep. less likely for us to get it wrong, and that way... People thought that was cool, though. I loved them. I thought they were great. I mean, okay. Everyone's yeah. like, let's make them small, let's make them smaller, and they're like, yeah. what if we did a really big one that made your computer vibrate <laughs> when it was reading and writing? And you also had to have, yeah, a, also had to have a, a bigger power supply, too. They wouldn't... If you had one of the micro-ATXs, like a desktop PC, like an office PC, you couldn't run the Bigfoots. They used too much power. <laughs> you had to actually have a fairly beefy PC to run the Bigfoot drives. Especially uh, if you're wow. on two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one th- actually, it was funny. We learned a trick when we were doing um, we were doing gaming PCs and we we're running two Bigfoot drives. Everyone says I was slow, but in real world testing, like and caching for games and stuff, they were faster than just about anything else at the time. They weren't necessarily the fastest at data transfer, like copy drive copy to copy, but 
in real world applications, they were about the fastest drive around at the time. And when we're doing gaming systems, we would actually put two in the system, um, one C drive for OS and one as a D drive for your games, and we'd flip them. So you had the motherboard, you had the motherboard on one sitting in the top bay like that, and then you got the motherboard of the bottom drive and put it that way. Yeah. And we found that that actually almost counterbalanced each other out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it reduced the vibration in the system. I like that no matter what thing that we reference during our shows, you've always, always got something <laughs> on your desk relevant. I don't have any hard drives here within reach. I have to go up to the garage. Well, I don't know why. There's I'm an SSD there as well. The, if one, <laughs> the ones that are in the garage, I've written the word dead on them. Yeah. But I still haven't thrown them out. They're Bef- just sitting in. Before the you throw them out, pull the magnets out of them. Yeah. Pull them apart and take the neodymium magnets out of them. They are the best magnets. They are absolutely amazing. Oh. On the odd spinning drives. That's, that's that's the one that you get your floppy disk that says rescue disk, do not yeah. touch it. You put the magnet on the fridge, right? That's the one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they will too. Those, those neodymiums in the heads, they'll go through. Like, you could pin an actual floppy drive to a, to the fridge with it, like they're strong yep. enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have any. Oh, yes, I do. Here, I got a heap of them stuck. Here's one I prepared earlier. A heap of them stuck to my microphone stand. <laughs> um, but they're so strong, like these will go through. Like I don't know if this will come on the camera, but I can probably get these if I can pull them apart <laughs> to stick through. These aren't the real strong ones, but even these ones will stick through my hand. Ah. And these aren't you can use that for arthritis, right? Um, you could try. <laughs> My grandfather used to wear the copper bracelet. His wrist yeah. was always green. Yep. <laughs> that and was probably, just a thing back in the day. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's... Uh, um, once I get settled in and we get uh, some... You know, we're, at work, we're hoping I'm moving into a new shop. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's bigger. It's like four times the size of the shed we're in now. What what company um, is that? Oh, it's just gone. Just when I looked. Yeah. At what timing? Yeah, bat- not, that, not that one. No, no, the battery central. Never that one. one. Um, There's that one. There's that one as well. But no, the battery central is one that comes up with a big yellow. You can't miss it. Well, apparently you did. Um, but, but a yeah. big yellow shop that's going to go with your logo. That's, that's where it. you want it. Um, if if everything goes according to plan, I'm going to have like a retro revival sort of area in there. Yep. So I'll have some of these older setups and and uh, some older tech in there and have a bit of fun with that. VZ200, so Amiga, even, Commodore 64. Make some videos on some of that stuff. So PlayStation 1. Might do some shows from in there one day too. Oh, nice. I'm just surrounded by old tech. Yeah. That'd be cool. You'd be an old tech geek then. <laughs> an old <laughs> farting tech geek. Old, old tech head. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we do so? Oh, first, what's this up here? Just coming now. Good timing. <laughs> hey, patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads. Somewhere you can uh, help us out and, and uh, you know, if you enjoy what we do, certainly helps. Okay. And uh, kodfi.com slash Aussie Techheads. Um, that helps. That's a, another variant. You can donate money there. Of course, you can also do um, PayPal or direct deposit, or you can just give us cash if, if you feel so inclined. You might even um, get an NFT if you're lucky. Yeah, if you want an NFT, look us up. You can get us at uh, facebook.com slash techheads, twitter.com slash techheads. Um, just go to the show notes or uh, go I'd to... I'd say watch Aussie Tech Crypto, but I don't think the NFTs existed when we did that show. No, they didn't. So we wouldn't have <laughs> talked about it. No, no, that is a new thing that's come out of it. 
Um, so yeah, if you want an NFT, let us uh, let us know. We'll we'll get one out to you. And uh, if you'd like to support us and help us out, because we're not uh, we're not funded in any way, so it makes a big difference. Yep. Um, Battery we appreciate Cent- you. Battery Central is a sponsor, but uh, only so far as we will give you a discount yep. and look after you and and get, give you what you need. So they got some good good people working there. That's what I hear. Oh, so the rumor mill says, yeah. yeah. I don't know who they are. I haven't met them, <laughs> but. <laughs> you haven't met the rumor mill? Oh, no, I know. I know the rumor mill quite well. I'm good friends with them. <laughs> you might be the originator. Some of my closest friends. <laughs> You're the they, and that's what they say. <laughs> well, we might as well do a segue to the original source code for the World Wide Web that was written by its inventor, Tim Berners-Lee, is up for sale at Sotheby's as part of a non-fungible token, which is what NFT stands for that we've been talking about. Berners-Lee, a London-born computer scientist, invented the World Wide Web in 1989 and also said if he knew how many people would be saying WWW so often in their lives, he would have not named it that. (laughs) That's it. Uh, revolutionizing the sharing and creation of information in what's seen as one of the most significant inventions since a printing press appeared in Europe in the 15th century Germany. The digitally signed Ethereum blockchain non-fungible token, a -a one-of-a-kind digital asset which records ownership, includes the original source code, an animated visualization, a letter written by Berners-Lee, and a digital poster of the full code from the original files. NFTs have exploded in popularity in recent months, including at auction, a digital-only artwork by American artist Mike Winkleman, known as Beeple, sold for nearly $70 million at Christie's in March. Why an NFT? Well, it's a natural thing to do, said Berners-Lee, when you're a computer scientist and when you write code and have been for many years. It feels right to digitally sign my autograph on a completely digital artifact. The files contain 9,555 lines of code, including implementations of three languages and protocols invented by Berners-Lee. HTML, the hypertext markup language, HTTP, hypertext transfer protocol, and URIs, Uniform Resource Identifiers. Also included are original HTML documents that instructed early web users on how to use the application. Bids for the NFT, a way of asserting ownership of a digital asset, start at $1,000 US in a standalone online auction titled This Changes Everything, running from June the 23rd to 30th. While working at Europe's Physics Research Centre CERN in 1989, Berners-Lee laid out his vision for what he initially called MESH. His boss at the time wrote, Vague but exciting on the cover of Berners-Lee 1989 paper, Information Management, a proposal. Berners-Lee in 1990 was building an application he called World Wide Web. It was originally developed in Object-C programming language on a next computer, founded by, founded by Apple founder Steve Jobs after his ouster from Apple. I was just reading that even if you uh, have it, chances are you can't compile it or use it or run it because it's... Uh. Built-in, uh, really obscure language that the actually built-in. He created an editor, a hypertext editor to use, but the hypertext editor doesn't acknowledge network connections, so you can't <laughs> view the source online through the editor. But nothing else will display it. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody put up. I'm just trying to find it. Um, you probably emulate an ex-computer in your browser these days. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, well, somebody put up today on a, on a 
a uh, page that I'm on on Facebook, and they put up a picture of the first um, internet in a box. Effectively, it was. I saw that. That was on the IT crowd, and they told Jen, "Here's a little box. This is the internet." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. But it's probably not far from the truth, honestly. When they, uh, I mean, that would have only originally been a file sitting on a system. Yep. (laughs) So, yes. Um, So, speaking of internets. Are you going to switch the screen? uh, I did. I can only see me. Why hasn't it switched? Hang on, let me do it again. Uh, There we go. That was weird. I'm not sure. I love new updates. They work flawlessly. <laughs> no? Yeah. So, internet. Facebook is part of the internet. or internet. Some people think Facebook is the internet. Like, <sighs> they're like, Facebook. I, I, I use the internet, I use Facebook and YouTube. What more do you want? <laughs> Tim Berners-Lee shooting himself <laughs> in the head. But Facebook is to start putting ads in Oculus Quest games. Why? So, for those, for those who don't know, Oculus Quest is like a... Like a VR set, like, um, yeah, you wear goggles and you play games on, you know, in virtual reality. Facebook has announced it will start testing ads inside Oculus Quest virtual reality platform. The ads will instant initially start appearing in the Resolution Games Development uh, Bustoon as well as games from a couple of other developers in the coming weeks. So, this is a whole article I could read. Or... I can sum it up in a much um, neater and easier to to, to understand um, dialogue. I'll just, Facebook I'll, sucks. I'll just allow <laughs> our friend here, Nolan, to uh, to explain it for you. We estimate we can sell up to eighty percent of an individual's visual field before inducing seizures. Shareholders won't be happy. So yeah, so that's pretty much what they're going to do now. Shareholders won't be happy. We're not paid to make them happy. We're paid to make them money. That's it. So that's basically what's going to happen. Um, Guess what I'm going to be watching this weekend. <laughs> I only watched it the other night. That's why I was in my bind. Um, but basically, um, they said that the original Oculus Quest headsets will soon be available uh, to stream from PCs wirelessly by using Airlink system that was made available to Quest 2 back in April. So at least says that. But um, this system wasn't taking off hugely, dramatically, and that's probably going to hinder it just a little bit more. Because it's, it's not like the Benjamins. It's not like you haven't paid a thousand dollars for the headset in the first place, and then you, yep. it's not like you don't pay for every game that you play. Yep. <laughs> and Facebook's got all your data and knows every game you play and everything about you. The, and it's got a microphone in it. Well, it's funny. A few years ago, oh, years ago, back like two thousand, I think it was. Someone did a study saying that everybody's online information gave them a net value of you know two million dollars or something. Pre the internet, everybody was worth like a hundred thousand dollars. Then the internet came out, and everybody was worth like two million dollars. And somebody's done a re-estimate. They haven't done, from what I can gather they did a quick recalculation based on like 2020 and they said everybody's personal information for every user that a website like facebook gets is worth something like 20 million dollars now jeez so time to sign up with a lot of fake account with bots (laughs) that's not worth anything to you it's worth (laughs) money to them so 
You're, you're not worth anything to yourself. Might screw up their system, though. But that's why they do. That's the only reason they do uh, birth certificates and census, so they can track your, the property. That's, yep. that's literally it is. So they can track how much you're worth, how much their this particular town's worth by how many people are there. That's that's the only reason they do it. They, they know, how they much know who's there because your phone was there. They know how much money they're sitting on. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. Yep. But, um, yeah, so... Um, don't know if... I don't know. We'll see. I mean, in-game ads done like... Um, was it Second Life? Yeah. They used to have billboards and you could buy space on billboards and things like that. It's done fairly... And those car racing games that have billboards that go zooming past yeah. with Pepsi on them. You know, I mean, stuff like that, that's different. That's that's fine. It's, it's, it doesn't interfere with the game. But if it takes up 80% <laughs> of your visual, like cortex. that guy said. Visual cortex, yeah. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is that's also in um, uh, Snow Crash. They, they talk about that as well, how the hackers get into your VR set and start adding... Um, oh no, not in Snow Crash, in Diamond Age. Because in Diamond Age you can actually get uh, basically implants. So it's like wearing a VR set, but you can get implants. And then some of the early ones, they they sort of decommissioned because they were figuring out that hackers could get in and they'd actually run ads like <laughs> literally right in front of your face like 24-7. And because it's implanted into your eyes, even when you shut your eyes, you'd still see it. Eventually, people would go mad and, and top himself. But either. you remember that on mm-hmm. um, Futurama when Fry had a dream and part way through it, he had he imagined he was like he was in his underwear at oh, the yes. front of the classroom, and then suddenly there was an ad for Speedy Briefs or something. He's like, "That was weird. I was just like having a dream, and suddenly there was this advertisement." They're like, "Oh yeah, dream ads—they're pretty common." That's right. Do yeah, people like this. Well, it just happens. You know, can't do anything about it. Yeah. Maybe you need some new briefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's scary how that it's sort of it is heading that way though. But um, wasn't there that company that was going to buy a giant sky banner that was going to go right across the sky with an advertising billboard? Well, I know Coke at one point was supposedly put, going to put a massive big banner on the moon. So, I'm not sure the moon would appreciate that, but, you know. Isn't he the Hulk? Yeah, well, that's where he's Can he breathe up there? (laughs) (laughs) He's a giant banner. Oh, dear. Major banks, internet services and payment terminals, as well as websites for other major brands, went offline this afternoon in what appears to be an issue with widely used DDoS mitigation service. Users reported widespread problems accessing a range of internet properties and online services from the likes of CBA, Westpac, ANZ, UBank, AMP Bank, Macquarie Bank, ME Bank, and more. The root cause appears to be an issue with Akamai's distributed denial of service mitigation platform, Prolexic. If you face the downtime, kindly turn off, route off the Prolexic solution. A customer service agent reached via chat on Akamai's website advised. We deeply apologize for the experience. The agent said there was no other information that could be offered, but that Akamai's technical team are working on it. Similar disclosures were made in social media channels and sources similarly confirmed Prolexic as the cause. An Akamai spokesman officially confirmed at 6.30pm that it has the issue. 
We're aware of the issue and actively working to restore services as soon as possible, spokesperson said. It appears issues are ongoing at Akamai's end as of 7pm AST, but many customers have been able to deploy suggested workarounds. A source said the outage was having impact on Virgin Australia's flight operations, with gate crew unable to access the airline's IT systems for about half an hour, but that was resolved. Major banks were facing large amounts of criticism from customers via social media channels, with many left stranded at the point of sale, unable to complete transactions. Australia Post indicated it was also feeling some impact. What do we all learn about not hosting everything on the one CDN? Yeah, well, Zoom went down as well. Um, zero, sorry. Zero, which is what we use at work. It went down. Uh. Thankfully, it came up just before we started work, but yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, it was massive. There's a lot of stuff got affected by it. A lot of FPOS and ATMs. And yeah, I saw a lot of complaints on Reddit. It was uh, interesting, but I guess that's what happens when you have a cashless society. Yep. If you don't want it to happen, carry cash. Problem solved. Go for Bitcoin. Problem solved. I don't know if that would have helped because you wouldn't have been able to transfer it. Uh, depends on who they're using, I suppose. Um, it doesn't have to go through the banks. It'd just be like Binance to BDC Markets or something. Yeah, unless you're trying to actually cash it. That'd be a problem. Yep. But um, Apple. You know that Apple we all know. Them again? They said, hopeless PC users suffer from iPad envy. So, what I'll quickly play you their new ad and um, you can decide for yourself what they're c- trying to... Um, uh, which one is it? One of these does. One of these buttons does a thing. You figure out what they're trying to do. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl? The girl who has everything. I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. So, as you can see, <laughs> iPads... <Like that. laughs> is this some expressionist no, thing this is a that new us ad. guys don't get? This is a new ad. They're, they're spooking. Um, basically, it says that the, the way this article is written, they're saying that if you look outside your window, these people seem happy. They're sitting contently in parks with warm... Lattes while you're wrapped in work cables and a very dull PC. You have huge screens upon which explosions occur every few seconds as you try to become one of the world's greatest gamers. Meanwhile, some younger type is sitting outside. Outside, I tell you, merrily gaming away with fresh air whispering through his locks. This is the pain suffering suffered by people who own a desktop PC and therefore aren't allowed outside. At least this is how Apple frames modern life and its latest ad for the iPad Pro. 
Hear the enlightened applets are out there, wandering free, enjoying life for revolutionary magic, where PC users are miserable beings trapped in an interior world they can never escape. Unless, of course, they buy an iPad. <laughs> I'm telling you now, nobody is playing an FPS or MMO and wish that they could do it on an iPad. I know. <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to say, is that guy supposed to be like Hackerman from Kung Fury with his long hair? This guy. He's the typical gamer, right? <laughs> he's, the, he's the gamer guy, yeah. <laughs> we all look like that. Uh, it's just, I'm just, I don't have even anything. Words. <laughs> really Somebody don't. should have said the poet. Oh. I mean, props for the uh, musical. I quite enjoyed it, but <laughs> it's, I don't even. <laughs> Somebody will want to have an iPad now. Yeah, I can see how every game is going to run out and buy an iPad now so they can play it outside. Let's... You ain't mining Bitcoin <laughs> on your iPad, I'll tell you that now. No. <laughs> it's just so, like... <sighs> it reminds me of a few years ago when um, Apple insisted that the iPad Pro was a computer. Yeah. You know, and then they kind of... Persisted on that. Then in like 2019, they sort of conceded the iPad Pro couldn't replace your computer. And now suddenly it can again. <laughs> it's like, what? hang on. Nobody wants a truck. Steve Jobs said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do I spend all this money buying this year? It's my nice truck. I like my truck. Yeah, I know. It's. I would like to try my iPad with three screens playing Minecraft in Java. Nope. Can't do that. Nope. <laughs> was was it Steve Jobs who said you this mouse thing? No, but nobody ever will want this. I know Probably. Bill Gates carried on about not needing any memory, but I think I'm pretty sure it's Steve Jobs who said that. Yeah, nobody wants a mouse. He said that the pencil touch pencil is a terrible idea, except now you use it with your iPad Pro. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. I if if anybody knows. How that ad's supposed to be interpreted? Let me know. Cause... Who's it targeted at? Yeah, I like what's, what's I, I I don't get any of the demographics in that ad. I just don't understand any of it. People who like musicals. Reminds pe- me of the devil, uh, Satan from South Park, singing up there where the skies yeah. are blue. <laughs> the only thing I can think it might appeal to is if somebody's unaware that laptops exist. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> It might be the only people I can think who it might appeal to. Oh, you mean there's a device that I can take with me when I go somewhere? Wow, <laughs> new technology! Can can with the with the iPad one? Can you flip the screen around and turn it into a tablet, and then back to a PC like a yoga? Well, or something? I mean, you can. <laughs> I can't guarantee it'll work at the end of it, but you, you can, can do it. it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if the Will It Blend guy has got onto it already. That'd be good. <laughs> or the or the um, what's it called? I don't know. Hydraulic press. The what's in, oh, the press. Yeah, um, there's a couple of press ones. Or the uh, what's inside guys. They're good at that as well. Uh, I don't know that one. <laughs> what's inside? Well, that- yeah, they they uh, tend to grab brand new things as well and see <laughs> what's he got in here. Anything new? Oh, he's got the new iPhone 11. 
he's What's bl- inside? He's blending, blending the Mandalorian season two. Oh man! iPhone X. <laughs> I might have to watch the Mandalorian again from the start while we're waiting for the next one. No, oh, no, right. It's like I'm thinking about it's starting gonna to watch. Have one one less actress in it because she was a bit naughty. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, it's like um, I'm gonna have to start watching the Oval again, just yep. so I can remember what was going on. I'll just skip all the gorgeous ones. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of somewhat linked stories, a mm-hmm. couple of short ones. Microsoft will let Xbox One owners play next-gen Xbox games through its X Cloud service. The, the news was buried X's in the post. <laughs> The news was buried in a blog post recapping Microsoft's Xbox Plus Bethesda showcase with the company confirming plans to leverage Xbox Cloud Gaming or xCloud for Xbox One consoles. This means that 2013 hardware will be able to play Xbox Series X exclusive games from 2021, extending the life cycle of what would normally be soon obsolete boxes. For the millions of people who play on Xbox One consoles today, we're looking forward to sharing more about how we'll bring many of these next-gen games, such as Microsoft Flight Simulator, to your console through Xbox Cloud Gaming, just like we do with mobile devices, tablets, and browsers, says Will Tuttle, Editor-in-Chief of Microsoft's Xbox Wire. Until now, Microsoft had only described xCloud on consoles as a way for players to try games before you download, but it's clear the company sees the services offering much more. Microsoft originally announced Microsoft Flight Simulator as an Xbox One title before quietly removing the references to Xbox One launch in December. Microsoft recently confirmed Flight Simulator will now launch on Xbox Series X and S consoles on July 27. So that's the... Who was it who had that stream game streaming service? Well, we are talking about last week. Steam's introducing it, but... We're talking about the other one. I can't think who it was. It cloud or rainbow or something. But yeah, they yeah, had. And then they've got Google Stadia does the same thing. Yeah. And now Amazon's new Luna game streaming service is offering no invite access on Prime Day, June twenty one and twenty two. During that time, Prime subscribers in most of the US will be able to start a seven day Luna trial, and can now get discounts on Luna controller and Fire TV bundle. To access Luna currently, you must request an invitation or own a supported Fire TV device. It's available on Windows and Mac PCs, Fire TV, iPhone and iPad via the web, and on supported Android phones. It costs $5.99 a month to access games including Resident Evil 7, Control, Tacoma, Res Infinite, and Metro Exodus. Amazon is discounting the dedicated Luna controller by 30% from today until June 22, reducing it to $49 from the list price of $70 for Prime members. On top of that, it's offering the Fire TV Stick 4K and Luna controller in the Fire TV Gaming Bundle for $74, a discount of around $45. If you're a Prime member and are shopping different game streaming services, Prime Day might be a good time to see how it stacks up against Microsoft's xCloud, Google Stadia and others. In Engadget's hands-on, editor Jessica Condit described it as what happens when you take the subscription model out of Prime Video, mash it up with Twitch and plug that into Amazon Web Services and wrap it all up in an Alexa-powered gamepad. Performance-wise, she found it offered a consistent streaming experience on par with xCloud. Amazon recommends 10 megabit internet services minimum or 35 for 4K, but you'll probably want significantly higher than that for the best experience. So everything is going to be streaming games now. 
Whoever did it before was way ahead of their time. They were, and they didn't have the internet to back them up. That was the problem. They even had trouble getting it to work on LAN. Ah, right. Uh, just with the data. Uh, yep. I mean, I know they're saying you need 4G. I can't see it. Like, just... I, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm still curious to know how they're going to handle latency. That's still the one thing that kills online and any online game, whether it's Minecraft, whether it's Live for Speed, whether it's Racer X, whether it's any of these online games. Latency is massive issue. Yeah. And now you're running it through a not only are you increasing latency both ways because you're running it through a separate independent processing. You know, on live. On live, yeah, that's on live was officially launched in March 2010. This game service began in June with the sale of its online and micro console. They sold it in 2015 to Sony. Okay, so I wonder if they've put that into well, they're going to put it into a cloud service system now that Xbox has got it, Amazon's got it, Google's got it. Mm. You're gonna have to have a PlayStation streaming game streaming service, right? I mean, they might have just been using the technology in general for. Just You're right. It's assets we use as the basis of a cloud gaming service within this PlayStation product family known as PlayStation Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. NVIDIA Shield as well? Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Nvidia- and not very many people in Australia will be able to because all of them, the internet sucks. Well, and generally too, there's no servers in Australia. And you're usually playing with somebody who's overseas anyway. So even if there was a local server, it's not going to help you if you're playing an American yeah. opposition because <laughs> it's a lag. I remember, okay, back in the day when Duke Nukem was a thing and Doom 2 and those sort of games, there was Rise of Tribe, there was a service called uh, TEN, the enter- the, I think it was the Entertainment Network. And they were a modem variant of that. You could dial up to a server and you could play online um, with other people in multiplayer games. Now, these are the same games that, okay, they'd work fine over an old BNC network, over an old 10 meg network. You could play Duke 3D and Quake and Doom and whatever. Yep. Um, I think the early Need for Speed was on it. There's quite a few games on it. But over dial up, you just couldn't the latency was just absolutely horrendous. Like half the time you would, by the time you've actually loaded in and spawned, you're actually dead, but you're waiting for the game to catch up. So you actually yeah. think you're playing for a while and next thing you know you're dead, but you've, you've been dead for 10 seconds, but the game hasn't <laughs> caught up with it yet. Everybody else knew it except so you. It's not new technology. It's just they're finding more efficient ways of packaging that technology. Yeah. Hopefully they all put it on one CDN that goes down. Oh, they will. <laughs> Apogee has announced they've got 10 new games in the works. Yeah, I was reading about that. They said today on Twitter, what new Apogee game are you most looking forward to? And I said Duke Nukem VR, which has not been announced, but I thought it would be funny <laughs> to say, because imagine Duke Nukem in VR, that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'd the- get my Oculus Rift out of the cupboard over there and plug it back in again. Some of those games, I don't know if Duke could work or not, because it wasn't, no, it was, yeah, probably 3D enough. Um, but it's yeah. called Duke Nukem 3D. Hello. Yeah, it <laughs> it it was not really 3D. It was. I mean, it kind of was, but you could tell it wasn't because like the way you couldn't render, like mirrors. Yep. 
the when you're a level designer and you had to, I don't know if you remember the first level you go into the um you go in behind the cinema screen and there was a mirror in the back corner yep. and you looked in that mirror but what it actually was was that entire room that you could see was being built again on the other side of that wall with a one-way pane of glass yeah <laughs> it, it wasn't a mirror it was literally the entire scene recreation <laughs> And when you're a game designer, you avoided mirrors like the play because it was so much work to make them fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, oh, we'll just wait and see, I guess. Tom, I mean, I, yeah, as you say, it's, it's going to be an issue in Australia pu- just purely because the internet's not great, but mainly because there's just not going to be the servers here to do it. Yep. So, um, just quickly... Biden and Putin spar over cybersecurity and ransomware so. at the Geneva summit. Um, there was a whole lot of stuff said, mostly in Biden said most of his things in in uh, shorthand because he can't speak full sentences. <laughs> but um, one of the things he said was he talked about the proposition that certain critical infrastructure should be off limits to attack period by cyber or other means. I give them a list: sixteen specific entities, sixteen defined as a critical infrastructure. Don't see these 16 here out of everything. Don't attack these, right? These ones keep our country going. If you attack these, everything's just going to fall to bits and, and the company is going to collapse and the economy and everything. So make sure just just these. Isn't that like... Just in case the message wasn't clear, I looked at him and said, how would you feel if ransomware took on your pipelines from oil fields? He said, oh, it, it would Hyper- matter. Speaking. Said, I pointed out to him that we have significant cyber capability and he knows it, Biden said to reporters. Um, <laughs> so he really be doing that kind of thing? <laughs> just to let you know, if you hear of an attack on Russian pipelines, <laughs> it wasn't us. <laughs> and if one of those 16 things that are critical accidentally get attacked in retaliation, it's not him. Oh, he's so dumb. And you go through and you just read it and it makes even less and less sense the more of it you read. Um, Are they so, better off now than they were? I don't know anymore. Probably not. <laughs> if you've got Twitter, um, I can't remember who tweeted. I'll see if I can quickly find it. But there was actually a thing in the background. They um, assemb- they obviously made the room up for the media and you know, tied it all up and did everything they had to do. And in the background of... Um, the whether you know where the wide shot was going to be for the um I think it was trying to find the answer, sorry where the, ba- where the background Putin was going to be yeah where the books were going to hang out um they they stacked the bookshelves and as you can see behind Biden there the entire bookshelf is nice and brown with only a couple of white books uh, and when you look closely. It says, I lie. (laughs) (laughs) Written in big white text behind Biden's head. How could that happen? (laughs) Just a complete, complete accident. They didn't mean that at all, I'm sure. Just completely. Nobody will notice. It won't even appear in any news article or anything. No, no, exactly. (laughs) The Streisand effect will get it. That's it. (laughs) Um, And. (laughs) Sorry, headline pop up. 
2012, a missing woman in Iceland unwillingly joined the search party that was looking for her. Um, <laughs> I saw that one, yeah. <laughs> Microsoft is having a spinal tap moment. Microsoft has cranked the hype machine to 11 for its next big Windows feature update. Whoa. If you don't know what we're talking about, you need to watch Spinal Tap. It is the best mockumentary ever made. It's hilarious. For years, I didn't realize, like when I was younger, obviously, but I didn't realize it wasn't real. Like, I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> it was done so well that I thought it was actually like... Is it Harry Shearer in it? Oh, oh Hank Azaria. Hank... Well, no, I always get those two mixed up. Yes, yeah, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you because I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically, um, uh, Nigel, Tun- Nigel Tufnell's in it too. <laughs> um, but throughout the, th- basically they're saying that obviously 11's been leaked. Harry Shearer. Um, Harry Shearer, yeah. Um, and the shows a Windows 10X like interface. Uh, the, I'm not really sure, uh, I, I've had a bit of a look at it, like it doesn't, other than, like, well, they cancelled Windows 10X, obviously. They also announced so, years ago that Windows 10 would be the last numbered Microsoft Windows product, and they were just going to keep updating Windows 10, but still call it Windows 10. Yeah, you know, that was the Windows 10X was supposed to be a thing. But if you look at it now, you can see it's very, um, very reminiscent of a combination of between Linux and Mac OS. Um, but it being Linux looking isn't necessarily surprising, given that in the last few weeks the amount of effort they've put into making it Linux, making so much Linux cross compatibility um, with everything from the shell to the to the um, I can't remember what it is now, but they had a lot of the back end stuff put in there and and stuff. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me that it it, it really does have that sort of that feel about it because that's that's sort of what they're looking for so yeah they got linux on window now you can run a lot of your stuff native mm, which is you know that's that's a good thing um and definitely yeah. increase their audience um this is going after to... so long rejecting all things linux and trying to take them on in every competition mm. what if what what if we joined with them oh well look everybody loves that yeah uh, Microsoft officials said six years ago a company committed to supporting Windows 10 until at least 2025. Support for the LTSC releases will go beyond that with this fall's LTSC release. The tap suppose. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm waiting for uh, Windows 11 Debian. Yeah. Or Ubuntu. I don't know. Mint. 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 Yes, mint, isn't it, Governor? So we'll see. Um, yeah. I'm curious. I haven't been able to really find any benchmarking on it yet. Um, they say the system specs are very similar to what Windows 10 operates on. Some reports have said that it operates faster. Some have said that it's faster in some areas and slower in others. Some have said it's just downright slower. I mean, being a trial beta release, who really knows? But Yeah, some people are suggesting <coughs> it's like the Vista of Windows 10 or something. Hmm. So, it would be interesting to see... Um, the actual at the end of the day what real world speed is on it that's going to be the critical thing for a lot of people cross compatibility I think they've finally figured out or they've realised that if, hey if it works on Windows 7 it should be able to work on Windows 10 it should be able to work on Windows 11. so I think they've finally figured that side of it out so I don't think you'll have too much of an issue with 
Um, if you're currently running software, it should continually run, so that should be fine. Yep. But, uh, yeah, speed's going to be the... I mean, realistically, if it's not faster, there's no point going to it. Yep. If it doesn't, you know what I mean? If it doesn't offer you the benefit, that's the only thing it can really offer you that would entice you to go to, to a new version of Windows. How many more bitcoins can I mine with? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think it would be noticeably faster in that regard. And Actually, if anyone is concerned with with the taskbar centering all of the icons, there's an option to move them back to the left. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't like the Mac style of putting them all in the center, you can put them back where they used to be on Windows 10 and stuff. Which it's funny because. In the, when Windows ninety five first came out, we thought that was the dumbest idea. You know, we're like, why don't you just have them in their folders on the desktop? Why do you want to have a whole bar? <laughs> I want nothing on my desktop, and everything I use on the bar, or I press the window key and type in the first oh, couple see, of I letters don't. and launch it from there. I, I have, hate having icons on any of my desktops. I'm not, I've still got my desktops. I don't know if I probably can't show you. It probably won't. Uh, no, it won't. But my desktop is full of icons. <laughs> like, How do you find anything? I know everything is because I put it all. They're all in categories. Like there's. Um, Next time at your place, I'm a right click and go sort by name, and you'll be stuffed. No, because I got template. Ah. I figured out. I figured <laughs> out that there's a file, text file that tells that where the locations of all the icons are. Yep. So once so I do, I have a, to delete that. Once I do a fresh install and put all my programs back on. I just copy that template file back across and puts all the icons back in place. Oh, uh, man. But I've got all my like um, 3D printer and laser stuff in one spot. I've got all my video editing and audio editing in another. Got all my web browser stuff in another spot. I've got all my games and, and stuff in another If you launch the spot. thing, then you have to minimize the thing to find <laughs> the icon to launch the other thing. Well, no, because it's not on my main desktop. Oh. Uh, you, have, you have a desktop monitor just for launching icons from... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no. No icons on the desktop. That's what that monitor is over there for. I don't use it for anything else. <laughs> it's got my start bar on it. It's got a little thing on that one. I don't want my start bar on the screen that I'm using because it, then it pops up at the worst time. So I'm, I moved on my... Because I got the little... They gave me for work my MacBook Pro died, so they gave me a little 13-inch one. It's a terrible idea, but I just have the work chat there, and I've got two um, 1080Ps. And I, if you, they have one taskbar type thing, and it only goes on one screen. You can't have it on all of them like you do with Windows. So if you move your mouse very slowly near the bottom of the screen, it'll pop onto whatever screen you did that on. So as soon as I start up the computer, get everything going, I pop it onto the right monitor because that's real estate I can afford to lose a bit of. But yeah. when you've got the 13-inch screen, you don't want to lose the real estate to icons in the taskbar. And I don't want it to hide and pop up and down either. I have mine on hide, yeah, usually. But yeah, I'll quite often move it to a different monitor. If I'm doing something that I know I'm going to need to access it, I'll just drag it to a different screen. Yep, yep. So... 
Anyway, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and coffee.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. You can email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. See you next time. Bye. Bye.